Asia Pacific Currents. News and labor issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. This Saturday, the tenth of April, you're on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents, and I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morrow. Good morning, and thanks、uh, to Solidarity Breakfast for another interesting program to set us up for the morning. And of course, you listen to 3CR Radio, your favourite community radio station. Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you every week from Australia Asia Worker Links, and、uh, Giselle, you just have to stop doing your Sudoku for a few seconds. Oh my goodness, Pierre! How you require me to do work when I'd rather be doing a Sudoku? Yes, we.、Uh, the show is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's dot a a w l dot org dot a u. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. Fantastic! And after the、uh, Labor Roundup from the region, what do we have for the second half of the show, Giselle? That's right. So we did tell you last week that we were hosting AAWL was hosting an international meeting looking at solidarity with Thailand and Myanmar. So we're going to over the next few weeks we're going to bring you some of those short speeches today. Uh, because we've been trying, as you know, to get you a story about Myanmar, we、um, will broadcast Debbie Stoddard's speech. Debbie Stoddard、uh, has been a long-standing activist in Burma, in Myanmar. She is Malaysian、um, and currently based in Thailand.、Um, But she was the founding member of the Alternative ASEAN on Burma,、um, and just has a depth of knowledge of what is happening there. So that's what we'll bring you in the second part of the show. That's fantastic. And、um, let's see, it's just on、uh, two past nine o'clock here. We'll go to our、uh, news items from the、uh, from the region. And the first one, actually, is uh, Myanmar. Uh, this week, once again, so hundreds of protests and actions being undertaken throughout Myanmar against the military coup. While the demonstrators, in some instances, have erected barricades and sought to defend themselves with homemade instruments and weapons, is the reality that the the reality is that the military possesses overwhelming force. There have now been reports that the military has used heavy weapons like armored vehicles and artillery against protesters. Now, exact numbers are hard to come by, but obviously the deaths、uh, are continuing, or the murders, or the killings, really.、Uh, and activists believe that at least another hundred activists and protesters were killed this week by the military. Now, workers also continue to take action at the workplaces, and、um, notwithstanding military occupation of workplaces, economic activity has been badly affected by workers' refusal to work. And Debbie Stoddard will expand a little bit on the worker situation in Myanmar as well. So stay tuned for the second part of the show. We're moving now to Iraq, where activists endure more arrests and murders. The situation in Iraq continues to remain unstable, with anti-government activists facing arbitrary arrests or worse at the hand of the authorities. 
Activists are continuing to be arrested on trumped-up charges. Demonstrations are attacked by armed forces, while political killings are hidden under the guise of common criminality. In the investigation of murders in southern Iraqi towns like Amara, activists have found that authorities routinely classify the murders of activists and often of their family members as family or tribal crimes so as to hide the level of political repression in Iraq. In addition, the ongoing social, economic and political decay has now seen a rise in the number of women murdered in so-called honour killings in southern Iraq. Terrible situation there as well, unfortunately. And now we go to southern India, to Chennai in particular, where on Tuesday of this week, Vinoth Raj, a 35-year-old maintenance worker at the Hyundai factory in uh, Sriparunbudur, near Chennai in southern India, mm-hmm. suffered fatal injuries, injuries in an incident at work. The factory was actually shut uh, that day for a public holiday and Vinoth, as an essential maintenance worker, was working on the paint shop ovens. A government-led investigation has now commenced to shed light on how the incident occurred. The union uh, at the company has stated their priority is to support Vinoth's family, but from previous cases, they are not confident that the government inquiry will shed any real light or lead to improved workplace health and safety. The union went on to say that they will look at the existing health and safety committees inside the factory, as these are the only structures that can look after workers' health and safety, and we certainly would agree with that. And prisoners go on strike, in on a hunger strike rather, in Thailand. In a bid to highlight their situation in prison and demand freedom, one of the leaders of anti-monarchy and anti-military movement, Parit Chiwarak, began a hunger strike in late March. Reports earlier this week indicate that Chiwarak has been on uh, an intravenous fluid drip due to his weakened conditions. Last week, uh, another nine people were charged with Les Majestes as well as breaking the COVID-19 emergency decree for participating in a protest in March. Human rights activists believe that since the Les Majestes law was reviewed, was revived rather last November, almost 100 activists have been charged under this law. Given that it's almost impossible to defend charges of les majeste, which carries a penalty of up to 15 years for each separate charge. It's obvious that the time military government is using this law in an attempt to break the ongoing anti-government protests. And I know we often talk about the les majeste law in Thailand, but for people that might not know, the law is actually written in such a way that almost any reference to the monarchy in Thailand could be uh, interpreted as uh, defaming them or insulting. Or not even a reference at all. That, that's correct. Sometimes not even a reference. And therefore, um, if you do go to court, uh, even discussing the issue can actually um, get you charged with further cases of less majest um, because you're actually discussing the monarchy. So um, in many ways, if you're going to look at it, um, it's the perfect law that um, can't be defined, can't be discussed, but has 15 years of uh, jail term. Um, but incredibly serious. Um, we now go to Iran, where um, our pensioners have come out on the streets again. Now, while the COVID-19 pandemic in Iran has hit a lot of the population hard, the continuing economic crisis is pushing more and more people into poverty. 
This week, demonstrations by pensioners and retirees were held in a number of cities in Iran to protest at falling living standards and the non-payment of pensions and other social security payments. While such protests have occurred a number of times before, there is a marked political radicalization of this movement. In the, uh, for instance, in the protests of this week, slogans included, um, the only way to have food on the table is to protest in the streets. We are sick of government lies. We refuse to vote anymore. And capitalist governments leave us alone. So um, a very interesting situation to, um, to keep a watch on. And actually heard that this week... Um, the COVID uh, pandemic is uh, having a resurgence again in Iran. So the effects on that population and there's going to be more lockdowns, more economic pain. And, um, and of course, some of the more religious people are thinking that, um, no, no, you should still go to the mosque and pray because um, God will, um, will protect you. Leave it at that. Indeed. <laughs> Uh, We're going to, I think, end in Australia with um, a a victory, at least we're calling it that. Around 70 workers at the food manufacturing plant McCormick, situated in the southeastern city of Melbourne, won their struggle after the global company agreed to the workers' demands. The workers had not had a pay rise for five years, And in this round of negotiations, the company was offering the workers a yearly increase of uh, 1,100 US, so about 2,000 Australian dollars, but with significant cuts to working conditions. The workers decided to fight back and went on an indefinite strike. They were able to maintain a 24-hour picket at their factory, and after six weeks, the company backed down. The workers not only managed to hold on to all their current conditions, but also gained a 9% wage rise over three years, as well as a US 3,800 sign-on bonus. So that's about $5,000. Given the current economic and political situation in Australia, this is a significant victory for those workers. I would I would accept that um um three percent pay rise each year plus five thousand dollars um so well done and it shows the value of fighting and staying united so that's the end of the um of the news roundup for today and just for our listeners here in Australia if you think how come I put them in, we put them in uh, US dollars. Well, it's just that we do have um, people internationally listening on podcast and on the internet, so it just makes more of a uh, um, real. Re- it makes it more understandable. Um, anyway, we'll go to a committee announcement, and then we'll be back with the inter- with the um, with the, the speech of uh, Debbie Stoddard. It's been thirty years since the Royal Commission released its final report into Aboriginal deaths in custody. Things have actually got worse, and there's still no justice. Come along to the National Day of Action. Stop Aboriginal deaths in custody. Black Lives Matter. Saturday the 10th of April, 1pm, on the steps of Parliament House, Melbourne. Join us in the streets to demand justice and self-determination. See you there.
Yes, do come along to that demonstration today, one o'clock at Parliament House, uh, to commemorate the anniversary of the handing down of the report uh, following the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody. It's a really, really important demonstration today. I know that it's wet, um, but we still want to see you uh, there voting with your feet in relation to Aboriginal rights and Aboriginal issues. It's 12 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. We're going to go into the speech now delivered by Debbie Stoddard at the public meeting held on Tuesday the 6th of April. It was about international solidarity with Thailand and Myanmar and the focus of Debbie's speech is uh, Myanmar. She's an activist, been a long-standing 20, 25, almost 30 years activist in that region. Here's Debbie. It was really um, moving to hear that the labour movement, the activism in Thailand um, has been inspired by Burma, but the reality is that many Uh, If you look at the three-finger salute that was used in uh, the civil disobedience movement and the general strikes in Burma, that actually was inspired um, by uh, activists in Thailand because it was the Thai activists who first started using that several years ago. Um, It's also important to understand the links between COVID and migrant labor and how some of those collect connections may have emerged. So um, we have to understand that uh, when COVID hit uh, the world and hit Thailand, a lot of migrant workers uh, left. Uh, um, they They lost their jobs and they went back across the border to Burma. And a lot of the migrant workers are actually young people who would have been exposed and been engaged also, uh, been exposed to activism in Thailand. So when we see a lot of the young young people on the streets, especially workers, um, many of them were actually former migrant workers who had to come back to their countries because of COVID. So you can see that that, um, that connection um, between two movements is very, very strong. Um, it is not just a matter of geographical um, uh, proximity, it's also the understanding that Thailand uh, is, uh, has been, and has been um, subject to many military coups in its history. Now, when we talk about um, the human rights movement and the resistance to the military coup in Burma, Burma, Myanmar, we need to understand one thing the coup is not complete. What we're seeing on the streets is basically a big push by very diverse people, including workers and labor union organizers to to overturn the coup, to prevent the coup from being completed. The military junta of Burma has now launched two offenses, parallel offenses. It's launched urban warfare on people in the towns and cities um, protesting uh, the junta. And it's also launched airstrikes on ethnic areas along the, in the, in the border areas in Kachin state in the north and Karen state in the east. 
and it has already threatened to launch airstrikes on Shan State in the Northeast. So this is very important to understand that the military has been already engaged in a low grade civil war on ethnic minorities for, for more than six decades. But now it's actually bringing the country to the verge of a nationwide civil war. And, the, uh, and now we see both conflicts, the resistance to military dictatorship and the resistance to a military that has been protected and enjoyed 180% um, um, increase in budget in the past 10 years. Um, it's, it's, uh, it, we're seeing these two struggles um, merging. And what is happening now is that the military has become even more um, brutal. In, in February, the, the coup happened on the 1st of February. Um, the coup happened on the 1st of February. In the month of February, only uh, there were about 50 people killed. We say only now, because in March, more than 500 people were killed. So that it, within one month, 10 times the number of people were killed. And, uh, and we saw, we saw uh, women, but we also saw children being targeted. So this is, uh, and this is because the military junta has lost control of the country. They hoped that this coup that they held on February the 1st, using a Donald Trump excuse, um, would actually play out in the same way that the military coup in Thailand played out in 2014, that there were various statements of concern. It was a relatively bloodless coup. A few people died in detention. A few people died from security forces. But then the international community, particularly the corporate sector, went back to business as usual a position. They were gambling on that, that that would happen in Burma, but it didn't. They did not count on the fact that the young people already recognized. The last time a coup like this happened in 1988 in Burma, it was swift, it was, it was bloody. It, um, the young, we lost a, young genera a generation of young people and there was a military dictatorship for three decades after that. So young people, including especially workers, were not willing to give up the little reforms that they gained in the past 10 years. The civil disobedience movement is one of the leading forces in this uh, struggle, in this revolution. And the civil disobedience movement was initiated by health workers within, within days of the coup. And this is also why um, health workers have been targeted. Health workers have been on a strike. They refuse to work in the government um, hospitals anymore, but they've been out in the field um, providing first aid and um, medical assistance to protesters who are being targeted with lethal violence. Um, and what we've seen is that the military have started, snipers have been targeting medical workers, including nurses. They've been firing on ambulances 
And now they've been actually going around arresting doctors um, who are thought to be um, leaders in the civil disobedience movement. It's um, quite amazing to note that on 26th of March, the civil disobedience movement was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize for this year. And uh, it would have come full circle to um, uh, another uh, Burmese um, nominee who won the Nobel Peace Prize um, more than 20 years ago. Now, what we need to understand from the civil disobedience movement is the military was extremely shocked when they realized and when they witnessed the fact that civil servants, including servants to the rank of director general, went out on the streets of Naypyidaw to protest. Uh, Naypyidaw is a, a, a specially built and designed capital of the country, which was secretly built um, uh, more than 20, about 20 years ago. And, and, and workers, were the, civil servants were then just forced to move there. And so that the, the government, the central government will be removed from the general population. But um, it was a big shock to record, to realize that the junta did not have support even not just of ordinary civil servants, but also of very senior civil servants, including the Myanmar permanent rep to the UN, uh, who um, turned his back on the junta and joined the committee representing the national parliament, which is led, which is compri comprised of 76% of Democrat, of civilian elected uh, MPs who've been managed, who managed to um, form, they are forming an alliance with ethnic armed organizations, which is why the military is ramping up um, their offensive uh, across the country because they're trying to drive a wedge between the ethnic groups, including ethnic armed organizations and um, the uh, CRPH, the committee representing the national parliament that's been able to continue conducting its business in secret despite being, um, being charged with high treason for which they would be subjected to a death penalty if caught. Now, um, in the first month of the coup, the junta declared 16 labor organizations as outlawed. Um, we've now had more than 600 people in the first, first two months of the coup, uh, six, about 600 people have been killed by the military because of resistance. Um, we've had nearly 3000 people arrested or subjected to arrest warrants and many of them are trade unionists. Uh, of the people killed, we notice that when we look at, sorry, to go back, when we, when we look at um, how uh, the military has cracked down, we saw that it is the industrial zones and the working class neighborhoods that were the worst targeted for violence. So if you were looking at what happened in Rangoon, Yangon, for example, the townships of North Okalapa, Langtaya, South Dagon, and Shwepita, all migrant, all, all factory areas, they've, uh, they were subjected for, uh, for, with the worst violence. And those areas became militarized zones. As a result, 
100,000 workers who came from other parts of the country and migrated there to work have fled the area and have tried to go back, have tried to flee back to their original villages. But despite this, the, the sense of struggle is still very strong. In this movement, we've, uh, we've seen um, uh, several hundred workers of the central bank of Myanmar go on strike. The banking sector is almost collapsing because most of the bank workers are out of strike. Um, at one point, the, the, the flights couldn't be, uh, couldn't be done safely because the air traffic controllers went on strike. Um, the, uh, the even workers in military owned the defense factories, even the workers went on strike. In Naypyidaw, the capital, um, workers' quarters, the civil service quarters are being surrounded by military trucks to prevent uh, civil servants from joining the protests and to ensure that they go to work. So now people are being forced back to work, but people, but a lot of the a lot of the the, the labor uh, activists. Um, if they even if they are forced to go to work, are not working. They're turning up in the workplace, but they're not working. Others have simply gone into hiding. So that's the the the. I hope that gives you a, a, a picture of what's going on. People have been immensely great, brave. We saw we saw pictures of the Myanmar railway workers lying across the tracks to stop the trains from running. So we 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 saw um, a huge amount of of resistance and resistance that's not stopped, even though um, the military has gotten more violent. Thank you. 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. 27 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. That was Debbie Stoddart that you heard. She was one of the keynote speakers at an international meeting about solidarity with Thailand and Myanmar. Uh, and that does bring us to the end of the show, Pierre, another Asia Pacific Currents. I do just want to remind you listeners to please, for those of you based in Melbourne, get along to the Day of Action uh, to commemorate the 30-year anniversary of the handing down of the decision in the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. It's at one o'clock today at State Parliament. And of course, we're out there protesting because deaths in custody haven't stopped. Indeed, they like, have not stopped. That's, that's the crime. That is the crime. That's what can you say? Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Stop, stop Aboriginal deaths in custody. Yeah, and stop imprisoning um, Aboriginal people. Simple as that. You know. 
Well, over the coming weeks, we'll bring you the other featured keynote speakers at that public meeting that we uh, talked about that was held on um, Tuesday the 6th of April. Uh, But for now, please stay tuned to the rest of um, the day's coverage on Community Radio 3CR. But that's it for Asia Pacific Currents today. And all from me, Giselle Hanna. And all from me, Pierre Morrow. And we'll be back uh, next week with another program of Asia Pacific Currents. Uh, We'll go to a quick community announcement and then we'll uh, go to Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.